1: campaign fraudsters part one let's go Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Fraudsters. I'm Cena Gaznavi, at Cena now on all social media. Justin Williams is here. Justin underscore Williams underscore comedy. Justin, how are you after our incredible series on abortion? We did a lot there.
0: Yeah.
2: I'm opening a um, crisis abortion center. I'm I'm deciding deciding to open up a couple. But it's just mostly chicken and slaw when you go in there and affirmations.
1: A lot of sides, yeah, <laughs> a, hot a, lot a lot of hot sauces. It's like,
2: hey, you're probably doing the right thing for your like bodily autonomy and future. Here's <laughs> some chicken and slaw. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yo, know, I mean, it was pretty wild. I still get we're getting a lot of messages about it. People were really kind of perplexed. My favorite comment on our Discord, by the way, check out our Discord at Frontsters L P N. You'll see a link in our bio. You can get all of our stuff. Go to Frontsters FM to see our merch, but join our Discord. One of my favorite comments on our Discord was, I think it was like, a great episode, blood boiling. So that was (laughs) good. Whenever we can make people that upset about something, I think that's a good sign we're doing our job.
2: Yeah, we we were in the forefront of that one. I I saw CNN actually just picked up the story. So I think you know I think when when they, when they look back at it when people when they, by the time it gets to the mainstream like public and everything else we should be like Frosters was on that
1: we were on it man I think and and also this is for me the the fake abortion clinic thing is like crypto it's like now a category of thing we're just gonna do every season it's just a yeah. thing now it is like a a type of scam that is happening and they're getting more and more official and regulated and all this other stuff where they're getting public funding and to do all this and it's very, very disturbing. But we're moving on to something equally as frustrating, but maybe not mortally as dangerous, campaign fraudsters. And we've all heard about Citizens United. We've all heard about all these different things, about the amount of infinite amount of dollars that can come into an election. And again, this is a whole category of stuff that we could be covering. But I want to focus on just a few specific fraudsters, namely Donald J. Trump and Ted Cruz. And so <laughs> to do that, we brought in some friends from the network who actually have one of the most successful podcasts on the network when it comes to politics. Abe Lincoln's top hat with Ben Kissel, Travis Irvine and Fernando Perez Leon. Uh, so we have an interview with them, Justin. So let's go to that interview and then we'll come back and we'll talk about some more stuff on this very special crossover edition of Fraudsters. Chaka <laughs> chaka. Welcome to the Fraudsters interview with the number one political show on the last podcast network. Absolutely number one. The only one. Ah. Top Head. Yeah, Abeligan's Top hat. It's great to
3: be here. Ben Woo. hanging out with Travis and Fernando, but he's muted.
1: <laughs> You've been Hello. canceled, Fernando. Whoa,
3: folks, he's been canceled. <laughs> ben Kissel, oldest oh. friend. Yes, I'm 41. Oldest friend in comedy. I know we <laughs> met each other 15 years ago at the New York Comedy Club. It so was a fantastic open mic where you looked at yourself perform in the mirror because there was a mirror right across from the stage, and you saw yourself bomb. You were both the audience member and the performer mm. at the <laughs> why, same time. Why <laughs> did
1: we do that to ourselves? We had
3: to in a order, passion. We, we knew had, this is where we'd end up. Absolutely, we had to. Uh, mm-hmm. We had to. Uh, what, do you, what do you call that? Would you call it? Uh, you got foreshadowing. No, you got to uh, pay your dues. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. actualizing. It's not the destination; it's the journey. Mm -hmm. Travis Irvine is here. You're in Ohio.
4: I'm in Albuquerque. I'm doing shows here in Albuquerque. I'm in. uh, Since we're talking about political people i'm uh paying homage to my favorite new mexico governor scary johnson happy halloween oh
3: there you go so scary, scary gary Johnson.
1: new mexico the ohio of the southwest Fantastic. is that what they say
4: a lot of people say that yeah especially you yes they, justin you is
1: yeah. in newark new jersey justin good to see you where it's yeah. like a multi-city show here yeah. yes yes we are all over the world we're taking over Yes. All here over the go. country anyway. Well, you know, we're talking about campaign <laughs> fraudsters and we wanted to cover two of these guys. Yeah. With 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 the top hat crew. Mm. Donald mm. Trump. Let's start with his origin story. Let oh, me just boy. get this up here. His orange story,
4: yeah. or, hey, Oh, Orangey story.
1: Hell
2: uh, I'm an oh, oh, Fred <laughs> Fred Trump came at the Ambassador <laughs> Hotel in mm, oh. nineteen forty. Eight or whatever. Yes, indeed. You
4: were a close. Forty-six. nineteen
2: forty-six. That was the year Trump was born.
1: Forty-six. Mm-hmm. Oh my
2: yeah. mm-hmm. Lord.
1: He's older than my parents. Jesus yeah. Christ, old, dude. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, he's old. Dude's old. All right. So here is the origin story statement of Donald Trump. Here. Hmm. We've
3: got one of those undecided here. This is Jill Casey, mother of two, registered Republican.
5: Good morning. Good morning. Um, Mr. Trump, with the exception of your family, have you ever been told no? Oh, many times. I've been told no by him. <laughs> no. Many, many times. I mean, my whole life really has been a no, and I fought through it. I have been... And, you know, I talk about it. it it's not been easy for me. It has not been easy for me. And, you know, I, I started off in Brooklyn. My father gave me a small loan of a million dollars. I came Small into loan! And I had to pay him back, and I had to pay him back with interest. But I came into Manhattan, I started buying up properties, and I did great, and then I built the Grand Hyatt, and I got involved with the convention, so I did a good job. But I was always told that that would never work. Even my father, he said, you don't want to go to Manhattan. That's not our territory, because he was from Brooklyn and Queens, where we did you know, smaller things.
1: <laughs> he said, don't go to Manhattan because you're you're fuck-up. You're going to fail. Well, it also, <laughs> it just
3: shows you how deep the ties are. That's not our territory. Yeah. What are we in? What business are we in, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not our territory. We don't go there. Oh, that's
2: interesting. Okay. So, you know, ruffle the wrong feathers, perhaps? Mm. The $1 million loan
1: was, I think, $400 million, I believe, is what he actually inherited. Wow. He actually, yeah, it was over $400 million that he inherited he had actually borrowed something around $60 million and never paid his father back, by the way. <laughs> never paid his back. Whoa. And we'll, we'll discuss. Well, that's the nice thing about taking a loan out from your parents. They're going to die first. Yeah. Most likely. <laughs> oh. He's going to wait that out. Wait it
2: out, like our student loans.
1: Can we get a 50-year term on that <laughs> yeah, loan, <why> Dad? <laughs> it's
2: like borrowing money from Vito and The Sopranos. Remember where yeah. they, everybody borrows money from him when they know he's going to get killed before being gay? <laughs> But that does,
3: you know, show, again, the irony and the strange duality where Donald Trump attempting to relate to working class workers, many of whom did end up supporting him, talking about how I had it hard too. I only got a million dollar loan, but just the way that he says it under the guise that he struggled, Mm -hmm. it's. So he sold it. And remember, he sold that. That was difficult for him. And he just got a million bucks. He could go buy eight houses. You just flip them. It's so easy. It's
1: so easy. And you know what? Remember, <laughs> the general election defense fund that he had, he got small donors. Right. These are mom and pop grandmas and grandpas. Well, and they- then, of course, I'm sure you've covered
3: as the grifting tree of the Trump era. Blossom, awesome. Steve Bannon, with the build the wall fund. Yeah, we're right. gonna get, that's get into not how it works. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and then that all of that money, it's gone, and that's
2: probably people's full. That I guarantee you, savings.
3: They thousands of people. Yeah, are now you know without a house because that stupid ass scam because they're morons.
2: Yeah, I also like how he plays $1 million. Like, now, that's not a, even a small loan. But in the context of that time in New York City, $1 million yeah. in, like, 1970 <laughs> means you could have yeah. bought half the East Village yeah. at that point. <laughs> Seriously, So
1: much money. So much money. So— There was a great New York. Now, I'm not a big fan of The New York Times these days, but like if they tell me that someone died in a drone strike like in in the Middle East, I won't believe them. But they did do a great job on this New York Trump tax thing, and they have all the evidence on there. They have all the documents you could look at. Here's my favorite part. I'll just read this and then Justin and I can talk about it later. By age three, Mr. Trump was earning $200,000 a year in today's dollars from his father's empire. He was a millionaire by age eight. By the time he was 17, his father had given him part ownership of a 52-unit apartment building. Soon after Mr. Trump graduated from college, he was re- receiving the equivalent of $1 million a year from his father. The money increased with the years to more than $5 million annually annually. In his 40s and 50s, he was still getting like a $5 million
3: allowance. Can you imagine being evicted (laughs) by this big-headed Mr. Mackey-looking fucking kid? Yeah, it's time for you to get out and be like, I will. What if I kill you? What if I kill you? Uh, I just, yeah, this is the bane of my existence. We talk about nepotism. I'm a New York Knicks fan. James Dolan is an example of how sons of wealthy people or daughters, whatever, you look at the Mercer family, yep. Rebecca Mercer, I believe, they are just fucking stupid. They get dumber and dumber as the generations go on. And it's just so sad that we equate money with intelligence because I don't know how many times it has to be proven that those two
1: things don't necessarily combine for intelligence. In fact, quite often, the one who makes the money, there is a geometric decline in your offspring's intelligence level. I mean, oh. it's just it is, that explains. It is.
4: Uh, well, because uh, Don Junior, then yeah, yeah, they
1: don't have to do anything. No, when you don't have it? to do anything, and you don't have to connect certain
3: circuits in your brain because you're totally screwed otherwise. Why would you? Mm.
4: You're just going to become. That's a like, great point.
3: Like, like remember when uh, now King Charles he couldn't even fucking move <laughs> <to> the pens. <laughs> the pen. The man's a moron. He has yeah. someone. This is true. Someone puts toothpaste on his toothbrush no in the morning. Way. He doesn't even put his own toothpaste oh, on. God. He's not a man. Like he's not a person.
4: Right. He's not a, That's moron. a lot of human. Wow.
1: All right, so we have we've, we've covered you know the origin story we've covered, okay, that's a complete fraud, we know that. But then there's so many frauds. So many frauds. And I obviously we can't cover all of them, but the one main one that kind of leads up to this general election fund that I wanted to cover was Trump University.
3: You know that oh, you're yeah? a fraudster when the most honest business you do is a casino. Yeah.
6: When that's uh, the one that people are like, well, it was uh, a
3: casino. There were slot machines and shit. direct. So it's, it's gotta- <laughs> you gamble, I make the money. Great, got it. The least fraudulent thing he did. Trump yeah. University. Ooh.
5: Whoa. Trump University. Oh, my gosh. At Trump University, we teach no. success. That's what it's all about. Success. No it's going to happen oh yes
6: <laughs> donald trump is without question the world's most famous businessman. as a real estate developer he has reshaped the new york skyline with some of that great city's most prestigious and elegant buildings now donald trump brings his years of experience to the world of business education with the launch of trump
1: university
5: no. if you're going to achieve anything you have to take action and action is what Trump University is By all about. By action,
1: I mean ask your father for more money. <laughs> yeah. You know, this stuff was all so funny before—
3: it wasn't just the people enrolling in Trump University but when they got to vote yeah. that was like all i can't believe it all worked it all worked it, we're like we're are the dumb ones no oh, of course cuz i was laughing i thought this was like ah this is hilarious no
1: surely no one would go to this
3: place trump university which is not brick and mortar and then well no. you'll you'll explain it here we go
5: but action is just a small part of trump university trump university is about knowledge about a lot of different things <laughs> it's about how to become successful.
1: How do you write a script and just end a sentence with a lot of different things?
3: <laughs> it's like when I had to fill out the word count and be like, I really, 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 really enjoyed summer vacation it's ugly
2: ugly 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 gal and i kissed oh yeah they
1: have four inch margins on his papers That's just ridiculous
2: i love the scrutiny that the world's greatest educators are under you know for like justifying like the liberal arts at like harvard and this guy can just do a commercial he's like you're gonna learn about a lot of stuff we're gonna take action we're gonna crush it bro
4: where did he actually go to college it was like wharton business yeah he went to Wharton. he went to university
1: of pennsylvania wharton wharton business
5: school
4: Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I'm, I'm sure his dad had nothing to do with getting him in there. No. 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 No.
5: No, no, no way. No. No, way. No, way. no. No way. No. We're going to have professors and adjunct professors that are absolutely terrific. terrific but can we pause people, that for a second? Terrific brains. Successful.
2: Adjuncts. By the way, no university would ever <laughs> brag about adjuncts. Adjuncts are like <laughs> <They're>
4: p- adjuncts. <laughs>
2: part-time people with no health insurance.
4: Yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. He's going to have both. That's a great point. Our janitors. We got great janitors. Our janitors are top-notch. Clean toilets. You're going to love it. Also, I just noticed their logo, that lion. They stole that lion. That lion is like on every soccer team in Europe.
1: That's their logo. He just grabbed that too. Yeah. Lesson number one, steal your
0: branding.
2: Absolutely.
5: All of it. Yeah.
2: Nobody has tenure at uh, Trump University. It's all adjuncts. Yeah. (laughs) A red flag. <laughs> right,
5: we Successful, we are going to have the best of the best. And honestly, if you don't learn from them, if you don't learn from me, if you don't learn from the people that we're going to be putting forward, and these are all people that are hand picked by me. Oh remember that. Then uh, you're just not going to make it in terms of the world of success. I think the, the world biggest of step, you're not going to
1: make it in the world
5: of success. In terms of. terms of. I
3: do like the idea of a university being like, if you don't get what we're saying, you're a fucking idiot. It's your fault. <laughs> um, it's your it's fault.
4: <laughs> that book. Some, but you
3: know, there are some professors being like, He's right. Yeah. Like I'm I'm a great teacher. I can't wait. Some of these kids are just
1: stupid. I can't wait to hand my son a dictionary and say, if you don't know all of these words, it's on you, (laughs) son. You (laughs) fucking idiot, son. If you
4: don't learn about success from these underpaid adjunct professors, it's your problem.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But they're the best, by the way.
4: Handpicked. (laughs) Yeah.
2: <laughs> if you're listening
3: to this later in your life, son, I'm sorry. I, I cursed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Hero was gonna always listen to all your work. Every <laughs> child loves to listen to what their father yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. So that that's Trump University. Obviously, he created this university. That was supposed to train people in how to become real estate people, real estate investors, real estate developers, real estate salesmen and stuff. And they were supposed to bring smart people in. But What ended up happening was this was like a decentralized grifting network, and it was just Trump's brand. They'd get you in, kind of like an MLM. Yeah. You got to, like, pay money to get to the next class. You pay more money to get to the next class. By
3: MLM, did you mean UCB? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, hello. Hello. Yes, and And, oh! what? and it's another $400, <laughs> but you never know when SNL's <laughs> casting.
1: And if you want to work for free, we'll give you a class for half off. <laughs>
3: Please. Ah. <laughs> UCB, the mm. Trump University of Comedy.
1: Oh, I love it. Print oh. it. Between it. <laughs> So the university was just this system of getting these high-powered salespeople to get these vulnerable, lower-income folks or people that were just looking for an opportunity Mm -hmm. to get more money into their education platform. So you're probably wondering, Ben, you might be asking yourself, who were these teachers? Who were the teachers? Because I'm thinking as far as a model goes, right,
3: I use Brightside for my therapy. Yes, okay. You yeah. know, and this is a this is a group of therapists. You yeah. go, it's very easy. The idea is just because of the platform, it could still work. Right. It has worked for people before. Of Phoenix course. online, I mean, I don't know if it's any good or not, but it seems more reputable. So it's not that it's innately flawed, it's that he did it
1: and he fucked it up so bad. Oh, fucked it up so bad. He really could have <laughs> handpicked and apparently this is one of the people that he handpicked.
5: Mm. We were bringing in the money. A lot of it. A lot of money. Were you... You said you were the top guy? Were you the top
3: guy? I don't know if I was. I just know I was... I'm really good at what I do. You've said you were the top guy. Okay, so maybe I was the top guy. (laughs) Big smile. I don't really know if I was or not. I just know that my numbers were one of the... From week to week to week, my numbers were in the top one or two.
5: James Harris's job was to get people to believe they, too, could be as successful at real estate as Donald
3: Trump. It is multi-level marketing. At its core, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That, well, that's the way, you know, I work at a university and we very much look at what the numbers were bringing in week to week to week.
3: <laughs> of course.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the way we do budgets.
7: Right.
3: But, you know, again, the sad thing is, and it's hard to feel empathy. Right. But these were people who were truly tricked. Oh, and, yes. You know, at the point when it comes to 2016. All right, well you're holding your nose, whatever. But when it comes to two thousand twenty, at this point you're a, you, you just you know what you're up to, you know what he's up to and you've made certain choices. But these people at this point of Trump University, I think there were still a lot of innocent victims. Oh Tons know, of innocent victims. it wasn't victims. as corrupt like, but, you know, it's not a little bit. It's not quite like Steve Bannon's build the wall because those people are so fucking stupid. Yeah. And their motivation was so stupid. Exactly. These people actually perhaps wanted to better themselves. These were vulnerable and, mm, people. Yes. They were really they were trying just to do it right. Exactly right. And so this this is why this one really is
1: just and so one of the worst. This guy is one of the teachers. <laughs> Listen to this. This is just it just
5: gets better. And to reel them in, sign them up. Get them to pay as much as $34,000 on the promise that the next seminar, the next class, would teach them all oh they would my God. need to know. What do you know about real estate?
7: Uh, real estate is a very wide, huge...
5: Oh, my God. No,
6: it's not. I myself in the 90s.
5: And if you attended a James Harris Trump University seminar, you would hear a lot more about Harris's claims of success and experience in real estate. Claims made in this verbatim transcript of a Trump seminar he gave in San Bernardino, California. Do you remember
7: when you said this? I'm a former license agent broker at 29. I became the top 1% broker in the country. I build homes in Atlanta, Georgia, and I used to live in Beverly Hills.
1: OK, before he answers that, which one of those three things that he said do you guys think is a lie? Uh two truth I, and
4: a lie? Um yeah. all right. I'm gonna I think say lives in, in,
1: he's, all, three. all three are lies from Fernando. Okay, I'm gonna say he maybe he lives
3: in Beverly Hills. I mean, there's a lot of I mean, I'm not sure if he has a house there. Okay. But he may be homeless there.
1: You're thinking <laughs> you, think, I don't know. you think the Beverly Hills thing is correct? I think he's been to Beverly Hills. Okay, which been is to the Beverly closest Hills, I'm Justin.
2: Give I think he lives in Beverly Hills, but that's just a small section of Queens that he's originally <laughs> from. We <Great. laughs> named yeah. to Beverly Hills. Uh,
1: Travis, that's a speed bump.
4: He said something about Texas. I think whatever he said about Texas is
1: true. I don't know if Texas was in there, but you we'll built take homes it. in Atlanta, and Georgia. built he homes says. in Atlanta, yeah. Oh, Atlanta. And that's okay. the one I'm say. He did, he did I'm not. I was going to say
4: he built. No, he, right. he he went and found Jimmy Carter and they he helped hammer one home together okay. uh, with Jimmy <laughs> Carter. Okay,
3: sure.
7: here we go. Here we go.
3: Yes. I, if I said those things, they are true. I did live in Beverly
7: Hills, and I we have to- no record of you ever living in Beverly Hills. Okay, well we can't find your <laughs> broker's license anywhere. Okay, and I have no idea what homes you built in Atlanta, Georgia. You build homes in Georgia? I'm not prepared to answer those questions today.
3: <laughs> not prepared.
7: Oh, it's a tough question because
3: you know, I have no idea how many times I forgot I built a home because I'm like I always tell people I built homes, and I'm like ah, but which ones? Yeah.
1: This wow. is... He went from yeah, I'm the I. If I said that, I, then that is that is true. And yeah. then within thirty seconds, he, I'm not prepared to answer that question. Not prepared. I mean, it's just a thirty four thousand bucks of the promise
3: that the next meeting is going to get you the education you need. It's like if you go to a restaurant and they give you they charge you a hundred bucks for a bunch of empty plates and they're like the next one, the next one. It's going to have the beef welly <laughs> on it. Don't, worry about, Don't yeah. worry about yeah. it.
1: Don't even worry about it. I happens. mean, that's kind of like how we're like when we play three card poker though, isn't it? I love my three card. I mean, we're like the next one's going to hit. Excellent. Sometimes it does. It, it does, though. We just
3: sit, we, re, the Again, boy. the most honest thing he did was casinos. Yeah.
1: Because at least gambling, it, you, you know the odds. You know the odds. And that kind of brings up this idea of like, even the people that like him, Ben, you think they have to know that he's a liar. Dude, I don't know,
3: man. There are just some people who really... They're so brainwashed, and again, now we have the algorithm that just feeds people the brain sugar that they want. I don't know. I really do think there's just some. It's a it's a multiverse, not just in the Spider Verse, not just Doctor Strange, but we live in an actual multiverse.
1: Yeah, Justin, what do you think? Justin, do you think that you know even his biggest, even his fans, even if you like Donald Trump, you have to know also, that he's full of shit all the time. Also, don't forget, they might look at that.
3: As genius, that's what I'm knowing saying. that he's like, well, I found a way to scam a bunch of people. Exactly. See, that smart business. Because exactly. they're
2: corrupt and they're fucking moronic themselves. Yeah, that's actually what Hannah Arendt actually writes in, like, uh, The Origins of Totalitarianism, right? That once you once you go all in on a personality, finding out that they're lying is actually becomes a sign of their genius. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: Yeah, that's what Michael Cohen said, too. They said, you know, you get sucked in. Right? And then you're part of it. And then you're part of the con. And you can see it whether it's Trump University or the businesses or his personal fixer, his personal lawyer. You're so far in that you don't know how far you're going to get until, I guess, when Michael Cohen's... Case, you got. You're going to go to jail, and then you got to, you know, shape up, basically.
3: But also, let's not forget all the enablers—from Oprah Winfrey to every single bank that allowed oh, him to to, um, to. to the Clintons. To the Clintons. To every single bank <laughs> that allowed him to overdraft oh, and to Deutsche the, Bank for loan forgiveness, which he's so against. Unless it's him, there were so many enablers this entire time. That's why I guess you can't blame. Well, you can, but. There are just certain people where it's like you can't blame him for thinking that he was genius because Oprah said he should run in 89. This yep. is
1: what's crazy about this stuff. Uh, so that was the Why guy. Why is it th- so
3: baked into the American uh, fabric? It's just I bizarre. think it's the
1: idea of the individual. The idea of the indiv- the hyper individualism that we have here. Yeah, yeah.
3: but Richard Branson is doing it. And he's a multi-billionaire, and I still like him because Virgin
1: Airlines are great. Wait, isn't he English? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's
4: also just very likable I mean, Sir Richard Branson's the man Who went to the White House, hung out with Barack Obama And as he was leaving the party Obama said, how'd you like it? And Branson's like, I wish I had a spliff and then, <laughs> cool, and then as soon as Obama's done being president, who's he go hang out with in the Virgin Islands? It's Sir Richard
2: Branson. Get yeah. so, the fuck out. Wow. Mm-hmm.
4: Now, see, that's a man who's legit. Nothing fraudulent about him.
2: I think it's a little bit of revisionism, though, because if you say 1989 when Trump is hanging out with, like, Mike Tyson, we definitely would have wanted to have been at those parties. Like, where it's oh, just sure. all models. You know, it's just like uh, – you know, Epstein is just in the corner. You know,
1: we would have wanted to <laughs> oh, have yeah. been at all of those parties. Yeah, I had this really long conversation with this smart guy named <laughs>
8: Epstein. <don't> <laughs> yeah, that's another
1: guy. <laughs> uh, you he's guys really covered into him science, here? and uh, <laughs> he's got a great eye for investing.
3: What was oh. his job?
4: Does anyone know what he
3: did? Uh, yeah. He got a lot of money from what, Lex
1: Wexner, who still has his name all over the oh, buildings yeah. in Ohio. All so,
4: over Columbus, Ohio, Absolutely.
1: So that guy was one of the salespeople, and there were these live events that happened. But they also had to create some sort of credibility, which right. any good grift has to do, right? Mm-hmm. You have to have an inside man. you got to
3: have the
7: golden plates like ex-
3: Joseph Smith.
7: Exactly. Time Because I thought to myself, what kind of business does this Trump you is, and what kind of business is it? Um, and especially when it seems like no one inside— that's interviewing me really knows real estate. They picked me to actually work as an inside (laughs) house coach and mentor. Um, And at that point in time, it wasn't totally honest um, what was going on. In the beginning, I admired Trump. In the beginning, I actually looked forward to working for him. I loved working with the students. I loved being the advisor position. It wasn't until I started noticing things where they started attending these live events Because I would get phone calls from students saying, well, I was taught this at this live event in New York City or in Texas or in Florida. And at that point in time, I was like, well, you can't do that. That's illegal in your state. So then I went to Michael Sexton (laughs) and the owners and the the people that were in charge. um, And I said to them, I said, somebody needs to go and audit these live events because I think something's being taught not kosher or illegal.
3: Yeah. But just imagine, like Michael Cohen learned, but Donald told me it was okay, (laughs) And then the door clicks behind you. And again, you just find out the hard way. You're another victim in the fraud that is
2: the Trump brand in life. It was a red flag when the seminar in Texas was mostly about how to evict black families from Jamaica, Queens.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What does this have to do with me, damn it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Trump University, guys, was a thing that happened in like 2004-ish. And I wanted to know because this thing I've – and, Ben, we've talked about this a lot – is how Donald Trump was basically able to ingratiate himself within the American psyche. Oh, yeah. And, he, you know, we played a commercial from Trump University, but that's also part of a, an incredible YouTube of all of these commercials. He's in Pizza Hut commercials. He's in all these, like, Toshiba commercials. Oh, he's in commercial. Home Alone. He's in Home, Home, Alone. Alone. Also, yeah. Home Alone too. Also, Home Alone too. You know, this is
3: one of the ways that he used his power, his, yep. his fame. He said, if you want to use my building, you gotta put me in the movie. And they
1: right. did. And at right. 30 years old, he even started just saying, I'm a self-made millionaire. Yeah. He had hundreds of millions of dollars all given to him by his father. But that's what he also did. And then this is where I think everything I think started to shift as far as how he was able to set himself up to run for office.
4: Oh. Oh, here we go.
6: He's a real estate tycoon. A reality show superstar. You're fired. But on Sunday, (laughs) April 1st, he just might become... (laughs) Ball. <laughs> Donald Trump's Bobby Lashley takes on Mr. McMahon's Umaga. It's a WrestleMania hair versus hair match. Plus, a shocking guest referee, Stone Cold Steve Austin returns. The Battle of the Billionaires! WrestleMania, live on pay-per-view. Call your cable operator to order. The you, Battle
3: of the wow. Billionaires. You know what's so interesting? You would think someone like Vince, who, you know, it, it, slightly corrupt, he took over the territory, some sketchy deals were made, but... He is in many ways not self-made. His father was also very wealthy. His father was self-made. But you would think someone that was actually a business person like Vince would hate Donald Trump. But then Vince also saw just the pure marketing potential for this event and was able to overlook all of the scams. Another enabling event. And, of course, Donald's not losing that hair. (laughs) So he wins. I don't know if you guys are – well, it's kind of a known story, but Vince McMahon had a scene where the car exploded, his limo exploded, right? And obviously it was (laughs) WWE. Donald called him to make sure he was alive. I mean, when does the line – the line is so blurred between reality and fiction with this guy, and now we just live
1: in that world. We just live in his reality. And what do you – I'd love to just hear – Justin, I know you're a big wrestling fan as well – What was the impact of him getting to be so popular in the WWE and how did that translate into electoral politics?
3: To be honest with you, he this is one of the areas he went to pro wrestling always has that air of like, it's a little trashy. Yeah. But Donald didn't care. You know, he ingratiated himself with people that felt overlooked. And the world of wrestling oftentimes are very working class fans. It's very working class people. And I think it was a massive, massive opportunity for him to reach a lot of folks, look good, beat up Vince McMahon,
4: and he put himself out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. He had already been very hot off of The Apprentice, which was the most successful reality show. I mean, obviously, you had all the reality shows that came before it. But, I mean, Donald Trump was a TV star with The Apprentice. And so reality TV translates so well to wrestling. And as Jesse Ventura has said Professional wrestling is a lot like politics because you're fighting these guys in the ring, sure, but then you go backstage and all the... The same people getting greased by the same wheels, and it's all the same giant campaign contributors that are controlling everybody. So I think it was a very natural progression from reality TV to the wrestling world to the political arena, as it may be. And I would also recommend watching another great fraudster, Roger Stone, the documentary Get Me, Roger yeah. Stone. That also yep. chronicles how Roger was more or less along with Trump the entire way from the 80s. All the way through 2016, getting him ready to run for president.
1: Justin?
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, Vince McMahon to me and Donald Trump have a lot in common as far as they're the working class person's vision of what a billionaire is. And those two also have an interesting chip on their shoulder because they both inherited businesses from their father, but they were never accepted as old money. So Vince McMahon, like, lives in Greenwich, but hates everyone in Greenwich, Connecticut, because they all look down on him for, like, making money off working-class people. And then Donald Trump's this guy where his father was, like, this slumlord out in Queens, right? And so Donald Trump wanted to break into Manhattan to be respected by the real Manhattan money. So in that way, that it actually makes a lot of sense. They both have, like, kind of a lot in common, too. They also make very interesting decisions with their sex lives. I'll, I'll say that as well.
1: Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh-huh. Yeah,
3: Linda McMahon.
1: <laughs> Tell me though, Justin, how do you? How I think, right? I think there's a there's a real nexus between him being in the, this is 2007 when he did that billionaire right. thing, and he just kept being part of the WWE, mm-hmm. and that he's in the Hall of Fame. He's yeah, he had a whole Hall of Fame thing. Yep. That to me is easily. Four to six states in electoral politics. Could be. Just winning. It's
3: exceptionally successful, especially at that time in the WWE. It was in another boom moment after it sort of stalled a little bit in the early 2000s after the Attitude Era. People want to be recognized. And one of the things that he does have, which is an emotional intelligence that's a little underrated. He's an echo chamber. And he talked to people that other politicians didn't want to talk to. They didn't want to court their ideas. You know, John McCain lost in 2008 because he didn't call Obama a Muslim. If if McCain would have been like, I think you're onto something. Where's the turban, Obama? Like, he, who knows? Who knows? (laughs) And by the way, John McCain
1: had just got done saying bomb, 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 Iran. Right. And everyone was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We and like the, this guy. And then we're like, hey, great idea.
3: So that moment where John McCain told that older woman that Obama's not a Muslim, Trump simply learned from that yep. and said, gotcha. I will do I, the opposite. I agree.
1: I'm going to be the heel.
3: I'm going to be the heel, and I'm going to agree with every wrong, negative, despicable idea that you have, and then you're going to love me.
0: Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A
9: Following a comprehensive three-year investigation by my office, including witnesses, interviews with more than 65 witnesses, and review of millions of documents that were submitted by Mr. Trump and others, I am announcing that today we are filing a lawsuit against Donald Trump for violating the law as part of his efforts to generate profits for himself, his family, and his company. The complaint demonstrates that Donald Trump falsely inflated his net worth by billions of dollars to unjustly enrich himself and to cheat the system, thereby cheating all of us. He did this with the help of the other defendants, his children, Donald Trump Jr., Ivanka Trump, and Eric Trump. And Barron.
1: What about Tiffany? (laughs) No love for Tiffany. Can't even get in on the family scam. Welcome (laughs) back. Thank you to the Top Hat guys for rocking out with us. I mean, Lordy, Justin, that was Tish James, Attorney General of New York in September of 21. She filed a complaint against Trump's whole company for fraud. And named not only him, not only three of the kids, but the CFO as well. I think the comptroller is in there as well. I mean, incredible. What, we're going to dive into this a little bit here. But first, tell me, why no Tiffany, Justin? Why no Tiffany?
2: I don't know. I don't know. And I think Barron should be offended, too, that he wasn't involved in some way.
9: Daddy, why? Why, <laughs> Daddy?
1: Can I play the Scammy, too? I can dunk a basketball. (laughs) My daddy's net worth is huge, huge.
2: (laughs) Many people are saying it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy. So the long of the short TLDR, but we'll get into the too long part here in a minute. Trump inflated all of his assets. (gasps) Shock. Shock hurt around the world. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) he talked up everything. He said everything was more valuable than it was. He basically cooked all of his books. He overcooked. It was so well done. There's like hockey pucks of steak were on his books. That's (laughs) how crazy it was. And Letitia James, bless her heart. By the way, she does do a very slow progression in her speech. And it sounds very regal. As if every word matters so much. (laughs) They call me Mrs. Tibbs. (laughs) (laughs) So apparently they tracked over 200 times across the family that they inflated their assets. And, you know, if you've ever gone, you know, to the bank and applied for a credit card and they're like, how much money do you make to determine how, you know, how a credit card is? You could say whatever you want. You could say, you know, I make a million dollars, but then eventually they could audit you and they'll be like, okay, no, we're not going to give you this. But like, I've definitely been at the bank before. And I remember I got my first business credit card. This is years ago. And the banker was, he just kept putting his thumb up. I was like, Uh, I make $75,000, and he's like, "Mm, go up, up. I'm like, oh, my God, this feels uncomfortable. So I told him I made $10 million a year, and now (laughs) I have money from Deutsche Bank that sends me money every month. (laughs) But yeah, I think that's what's crazy is like you can do that. There's very little recourse unless you get formally audited or you do it so systematically like Trump did and the Trump organization did that it becomes civilly – a fraud complaint and now also potentially federally and state criminally referred to for fraud.
2: Yeah. I like it like inflated his assets 200 times. (laughs) That's how you you know. It's like, it's like definitely systematic. It's like, how can you prove this much money? Well, I have this billion dollar building over here. Yeah. And I kind of, know, that's a billion dollar building because it's linked to this other billion dollar building.
1: (laughs) He keeps doing it. Over and over and over again. You know, Tish James put him they, they, He deposed. He got deposed by Tish James. This is incredible. This is like right out of the, the Showtime show Billions where like they face off or whatever. But yeah. instead of it being like a quippy kind of like fun scene of dialogue, Trump took the Fifth Amendment in his deposition over 500 times.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's like, you know, when he's talking to Letitia James, that's not the only amendment he was thinking about he probably wishes other amendments to the constitution worked oh, <laughs> cuz he's racist a,
1: r- a repeal of the 30s? Is that, is that what you're saying
2: uh, yeah i mean i might have been hitting at that <laughs> <laughs>
1: jesus christ you know he did like he had the toilets changed out the white house
2: because yeah. obama was there before him oh my
1: god yeah oh,
2: that's god. like old school racism where you want to sit on old. the same toilet that is
1: old ugh So disgusting. By the way, I just want to also say to all the people listening out there: the reason we waited this long to do Trump is because I didn't want to watch a bunch of fucking YouTubes of Donald Trump.
2: Yeah. I didn't want to do it. You had to let it be in the past. Yeah, Yeah. We didn't want to still be going through it at the time, you know.
1: It this was like the soonest, safest time I could engage with Donald Trump in my headphones again. And frankly, I'm sorry if this is too soon for you out there. But it is insane that we're here again listening to this man. You know who it reminded me of, though, Justin? Barry Minkow, because Donald Trump did the same thing that Minkow did. Minkow went and just said, oh, he, you know, insurance appraisals, uh, real estate appraisals. He just pumped up the numbers. It was just a weird paper game that no one paid attention to a lot. And then people kind of just accept it. And I think one of the interesting things that came through the complaint was that he had so much help from the CFO and he had clear intentions to actually defraud banks and tell and make sure that his what he felt on the inside about his organization (laughs) reflected on the financial documents as well.
9: With the intent that the information in the statement would be relied upon by banks and insurers. Mr. Trump and Mr. Weisselberg would meet to review and approve the final statement every year. Mr. Trump made known through Alan Weisselberg that he wanted his net worth reflected on the statements to increase, a desire Mr. Weisselberg and others carried out year after year in their fraudulent preparation of the statements. And when asked about these meetings under oath as part of our deposition, both men, Mr. Trump and Mr. Weisselberg, invoked their Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination, and they refused to answer.
1: So it's like you gotta you gotta really have a good team if you wanna cook your books. You gotta have your family involved, and you gotta have a CFO, this guy Alan Weisselberg. Basically was the one who put pen to paper and cooked all the books the whole time. all right, so Alan Weiselberg and him they figured out a way that if they just cooked the books enough and made things look more valuable than they actually were, then that enabled them to get more favorable loans that made their net worth higher that made everything work better. So here's. Straight from the complaint, and we're going to go through parts of it here, Uh, by the way, over a 200 page complaint itemizing every single time Donald Trump and his family cook their books. For example, and this is from the complaint, they received a series of bank ordered appraisals for the commercial property at 40 Wall Street that calculated a value for the property at 200 million dollars as of August 1st, 2010 and 220 million dollars. As of November first, twenty twelve. Yet, in a twenty eleven statement, they listed forty Wall Street with a value of five hundred and twenty four million, and increased the valuation <laughs> to five hundred and twenty seven million in the twenty twelve statement, and to five hundred and thirty in twenty thirteen. More than twice the value calculated by the quote professionals. Even more egregiously, the valuation of more than five hundred million. Was attributed to information obtained from the same professional appraiser who prepared both valuations, putting the building's value at or just over two hundred million dollars. I mean, you could do this. This is a thing. No, it's a
2: uh, well. I think Letitia James is actually saying you cannot do this. <laughs> I think that's what she's saying. I think that's exactly what she's saying. But it's, but it is a thing on online
1: dating. You know, everybody's six <laughs> foot two and. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like when you get your house appraised, I can't go to the bank and be like, hey, actually, this is how much it's appraised. But apparently Donald Trump can't.
2: It's it's amazing being a celebrity because, yeah, you get away with this over 200 times. And, you know, it's just like all this reminds me, though, is just like think of it this way. What if Donald Trump just never ran for president? Like he would have gotten away with like all
1: of this, all of this. We wouldn't. Why would we be? He would still be a joke. That's how he got us. We the the buffoon. We all thought he was just a buffoon. We were like, oh, it's so funny. And then he became president. Now we're like, holy shit. So I mentioned Barry Minkow. Another move that he did was the mark to market accounting that we saw in Enron. This is, again, from the complaint. Trump. Failing to use basic rules of valuation to ensure reliable and accurate results, such as discounting revenue or cash flow that might be obtained from a speculative development far into the future to its present value. For example, all right, a series of high value properties estimated the profits from developing and selling homes without accounting for the years it would take to plan, build and sell the homes and instead operate under the possibility and thus false premise that the homes could be planned, built, and sold instantaneously. You're building a venue right now, (laughs) Justin. Did you know that that venue is now MSG? It is now holding 30,000 people and is worth hundreds of millions of dollars? You could say that.
2: Yeah, and trying to start a business, the one thing I have found out definitely is that you can never assume no cost when yeah. it comes to <laughs> construction or logistics. Yeah. Or, they, didn't even, yeah.
1: they didn't even say like, oh, it's going to take like a couple. They were just like, no, we're going to book the revenue. We're going to book the money for that future thing that we don't even have plans for this year. I mean, you've got to be fucking kidding me with this shit. So here's what else he also did. He also did like a brand scam. And we could say to a certain degree that the brand of Trump has value, right? He has licensing deals. It's on casinos. It's all whatever, it, or at least it was. It's It's on things, right? So there is value to the brand. But he would add a brand premium, again, from the complaint. Increasing the value of golf clubs to incorporate a, quote, brand premium, despite expressly advising in the statements that brand value was not included in the figures, and despite GAAP rules, the general accepted accounting principles rules, prohibiting inclusion of internally generated intangible brand premiums. All right, so that means a bunch of accountants that like govern accounting were like, okay, we understand that brands have value, but when it comes to your accounting, you can't actually add that in because it's intangible. We can't look at it. And value it. It's a feeling and it can go up and down and there's no way to do it. So,
2: yeah. So for instance, you know, you could say that Yeezys would be a billion dollar brand in one moment, a billion and a half, but in the next, (laughs) next moment, (laughs) seven tweets and podcasts later, it's worth
1: 47 (laughs) cents. (laughs) You can't, do you see Goodwill is rejecting them? They won't even Uh, (laughs) even take a Yeezy anymore. So, again, for the complaint, for example, in the 2013 statement, the value of Mr. Trump's golf course in Jupiter, Florida was further inflated by fraudulently adding 30% for the Trump quote brand. Combining the inflation from using the fixed asset approach with the 30% brand premium, Mr. Trump claimed that a <laughs> club he purchased for $5 million in 2012 was worth more than $62 million in 2013. What the flying fuck? 2013 statement included the same fraudulent 30% brand premium for six other golf clubs. You've. This is absurd. I don't understand how he's. This is. Even if, again, even if you're a Trump fan, this is absurd. No, you can't even say, even if you're a Trump fan, they're not listening.
2: Yes, not they are. Gonna, they're we, just going to skip no. the
1: entire political spectrum, Justin.
2: There's no more overtures. It's all two different camps now nobody's listening to us we've
1: got pro-lifers that joined after last series
2: (laughs) really yeah
1: (laughs) you can't even say because
2: you can't even have that thing it's like hey look even if i was pro-life i disagree with the idea of like shaming and deception (laughs) yeah it's like you can't even have that now it's just like you have to be full cobra kai or nothing
1: yeah exactly oh lordy So that's that's just like a little taste of what he was doing. But let's get into some other stuff that he did again from the complaint. And let's go back to Tish James talking about Mar-a-Lago.
9: Mr. Trump also blatantly ignored legal restrictions at Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago was valued on the false premise that it sat on unrestricted property and could be developed for residential use. However, Mr. Trump knew that Mar-a-Lago was subject to a host of onerous restrictions and limitations. Mr. Trump himself signed deeds sharply restricting changes to the property and donating his residential development rights in an effort to get a tax deduction and later to lower his property taxes on the property. The deeds also require Mr. Trump to donate over 23% of Mar-a-Lago's value to the historic trust for historic preservation if he ever sold it. Despite these significant restrictions, Mr. Trump valued the property based on the false premise that it was an unrestricted residential 18-acre plot of land that could be sold and used as a private home. In fact, the valuations represent that these restrictions don't even exist. The club Generated annual revenues of less than $25 million and should have been valued at more than, valued at about $75 million. However, Mar a Lago was valued as high as $739 <laughs> seven hundred and million.
2: $1 billion
9: you know 739
1: million dollars. So this is like what the whole place his his crown jewel is a scam. It's
2: it's also like 739 million dollars in the state of Florida. I could buy the whole state of Florida. There's no one property worth that. Even Disney is like probably only worth a couple billion. Not so the, the idea that this one place is worth 739 million. I mean it's just like absurd even on its like on its own terms. People don't move to Florida because the land costs seven hundred and thirty million dollars. You yeah. Know?
1: Yeah. So just to like just go over what she was talking about there. So he got this land. And when you do these like tax deductions and stuff, you do these moves and you sign away certain rights or whatever to the city. Or the state so that you get a tax break. Right. And that's how people are able and these developers are able to build buildings because they're like, all right, if I'm not paying this much in taxes, I can put it into the development of this of this property and then I can, you know, actually get it off the ground. But the problem is those come with restrictions. And stuff. <laughs> And instead of – and one of the biggest restrictions was you, you can't make it a big residential property. And that's exactly what he told the banks that he could do, which I don't understand. Again, you get so buddy-buddy with these big investment institutions like Deutsche Bank, and then they just believe you. Then you come on down to Mar-a-Lago. I'll take you to golf Gulf or whatever it is.
2: And what large-scale residential development is he putting up in, like, not urban Florida – Exactly. Like, is he going to be just be putting up towers in the middle of some town? Like, it doesn't even make sense even on his face. What is he going to do? Like, if you turn the place into a subdivision, theoretically, you would lower the property value if you have at 730 million as a resort, right? So.
1: So $25 million of revenue, less than $25 million of revenue annually, right? So that apparently puts the valuation should be around 75 million. And again, He valued it at $739 million. (laughs) And so wait, it gets, it gets better. So, so not just the property is valuable, right? But the actual membership, that's where the revenue comes from. And this isn't just Mar-a-Lago, but other golf clubs as well. Including in the value of golf clubs, anticipated income from inflated membership initiation fees. For example, At Mr. Trump's golf course in Westchester, the valuation for 2011 assumed new members would pay an initiation fee of nearly $200,000 for each of the 67 (laughs) unsold memberships. (laughs) Even though. wait, Wait, here's the best part. Even though, Justin, many new members in that year paid zero initiation fee. Zero. In some instances, Trump specifically directed club employees to reduce or eliminate the initiation fees to boost membership numbers. I mean, this is crazy. It's a Potemkin
2: village. It's so funny.
1: $200,000 discount and you just want me in the room.
2: (laughs) I like it. I I, I just like the idea of even proposing that someone's going to pay that much when if I'm paying $200,000 a year, what does it cost to play golf at the finest club in the world to like to, to play at Augusta? It's probably not $200,000 a year.
1: No, I mean, I think I think you just have to be I think you just have to be a proud boy or something. I don't know.
2: <laughs> like even to play it like in the Saudi crown tournament. I don't you're not paying
1: $200,000 a year. to play Okay, here we go. Of course, Augusta National. Cost to be a member, twenty and forty thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> the monthly dues are paid that are paid are supposed to be less than three hundred dollars or four thousand. That's not that's not even that much for like yeah. the best golf course in the country.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think the numbers are just like insane. That's oh yeah, just, I get two hundred grand for yeah. My my golf course is that good.
1: So Justin, like I said, he used these statements to get more money and favorable rates from places like Deutsche Bank. And so from the complaint, again, the statements were used to obtain favorable loans over at least an 11-year period, including Deutsche Bank's extension of a $125 million loan or combination of loans in connection with the Trump Organization's purchase of the property known as Trump National Doral. Another one. Deutsche Bank's financing of up to one hundred and seven million dollars in debt in connection with Trump's international hotel and tower in Chicago in 2012, as well as fifty four million dollar expansion of that loan in 2014. Jesus. On top of it, Deutsche Bank's financing of up to one hundred and seventy million dollars in connection with Trump's organization's purchase and renovation of the old post office property in D.C., which he made a bunch of money off of when he was in office because he got all the heads of state to stay at that hotel. Yeah, they just sold that one. Yeah. And when he when he got that post office place, so here's again from the complaint. Incredible. The statements were critical to the overall success of the investment in the old post office property in D.C. Based on its own statement, the Trump organization won the bidding for that building, right, as part of, quote, one of the most competitive selection processes in the history of the General Services Administration. This is, I mean, so critical for Deutsche Bank to come in and say, yeah, we're giving him all of this money. Why are they giving him all of this money? Why is he good for it? Because he's valued his golf clubs and his buildings at fucking 30, 100% of what they're valued, 200% of what they're valued for.
2: And meanwhile, as president, systematically destroying... His brand in all the places, I mean, most of the places that he cares to operate in, right? So it's like, who in the hell is staying at the Trump Chicago?
1: Yeah. It's funny you bring that up. We'll get to (laughs) It's not Obama. That's for sure. Yeah. Who is, they're all kind of just trash hotels now. Yeah. They're all grimy ass hotels because he's bad at the hotel business now. He was like good in the 90s, but you can't keep up with how luxury has progressed these days.
2: And his wife did all the design for those properties. The, the, the I think it was that first wife. Yeah. yeah. It was that, uh, who was it, Marlo? Uh, no, Ivana. Ivana, right? yeah. Yeah, Ivana was the one that I think did all the personal details of the luxury hotels and everything. Oh, my God. So okay. that makes sense that like everything's kind of fallen off, you know?
1: So there was another building, Justin, in New York that I actually didn't know about called Trump Park Avenue. Hey, do you know about that one? Yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, you've seen that one. Okay. well, if not, I didn't really know about it. So I found I found (laughs) (laughs) I found a commercial for, you know, these real estate uh, people, these agents will do a commercial sometimes to advertise for a particular place. And so this is one that we that we found. Trump sales. Trump Park Avenue. Let's go. Nice pan shot up the building. 502 Park Avenue.
8: Hello there and welcome to Trump Park Avenue. Mm. This luxurious residence is located in one of New York City's most exclusive and desirable neighborhoods. My name is Michelle Hello. Griffith, and I'm the broker specialist at Trump Park Avenue. What is broker and I'm specialist extremely is? excited to introduce you to this property that redefines New York's super luxury
1: by the way, let's just looking at this this shot right here, okay? Oh, just on the pie. this is all old money. There's like a, a shitty bouquet. It's mm-hmm. like all weird wood trim on everything. There's some ornate light that's overexposed in the background. This doesn't look like luxury to me, does it to you? Uh Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's all the old materials, you know, that, I that guess could be so. one
2: it's thing. It's old, yeah. Uh, but, I, you know, I don't know. I have to get a closer look at it. This You're going to get to Okay.
1: Yeah, okay. I got to, to touch it.
8: Come with me and let's take a look around. Let's take a
1: look around, okay?
8: Trump Park Avenue is situated on the site of the former Delmonico Hotel, a property long associated with luxurious lifestyles. Trump Park <laughs> Avenue <laughs> offers superb amenities, including a full-time doorman, Valet parking,
9: okay.
8: gym, twenty-four hour concierge, and a full-time resident manager.
2: Can you can we pause it? I I just want to you guys let it be known that ahead. literally every luxury yep. building in Manhattan has all of those things. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we're the special New York property. We have a doorman. It's like, like every place has a doorman that
1: where rich people live. When I want all my money in Kentucky off Bitcoin, I want to make sure I got a place with all them doormen.
2: I think you might be right, though. You know, if he kept all the old stuff in it's it's funny how this being pitched appears to be old fashioned because it sort of is because, right, the new the new Saudi Frank Geary Tower people have yeah. made amenities that just go beyond any of this. Right. Like, yeah, this ad seems like it's from the 80s. Exactly. A private
8: elevator takes you into this one of a kind, full floor, luxury penthouse with sweeping 360 degree views of the city.
1: Also, New York has never looked shittier than from this penthouse. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like trash. I love New York City with a passion, but it's gray. Everything looks like shit. (laughs) You can almost see the trash from the penthouse. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, it's very funny.
8: <laughs> this gorgeous residence encapsulates over 7,200 square feet, featuring seven bedrooms, eight and a half bathrooms, and spectacular seven. Park Avenue city views.
1: Read your iPad next to the window.
8: Style and quality are paramount <laughs> in this home, from the solid oak floors, to the majestic crown molding, to the handcrafted Italian brass doorknobs. Follow me to the master suite. Oh. The spacious master suite has two so full good. bathrooms and three luxurious
1: walk-in closets. Oh, um, wait a minute. That is that is so many bath. Two full bathrooms in the master bathroom and the closets. That's incredible.
2: I will say 7000 square feet is a tremendous amount of space. Uh, uh, well, not just not just by New York standards. That is that is a big a lot. apartment. That's big. But, but yeah, they didn't know what to do with it. So they put two, ba- two, put two bathrooms in two Yeah, what else we call this space?
1: We could make three apartments in this bathroom or just two bathrooms. Well, because
2: nobody living in this is happily married. So you have to have two separate bathrooms. It's got to be separate. Because yeah, you've been living separate lives for years at this point. <laughs>
8: <laughs> the pre-war ambiance is maintained by having traditional fine finishes made better by 21st century conveniences. This gorgeous Eden kitchen is equipped with amazing views overlooking Park Avenue, making it the city's most perfect breakfast nook. There is also a large marble center island, state of the art appliances, including a sub zero refrigerator and wolf range. Okay. Additionally, there is a butler's pantry with wine cooler, five walk in closets, extra storage, and a laundry room.
2: It's these, Thank you so much. For- th- these appliances, though, are what are standard in any gut reno. Like it's the, it's the same, same stainless steel appliances in like a you know like a two hundred thousand dollar house in like Oklahoma City. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then even that washer dryer for a seven thousand square foot residence, it was like the stacked on top dual unit. It wasn't even like a real like you have seven thousand square foot and you put two hot tubs in your bathroom, but you have. The, the same washer and dryer combined unit that somebody has in a studio apartment that's like 200 square feet <laughs> it's, it, like it's so weird yeah it's like the building is big but they skimped out on like the stuff you use they skimped out on all the details yeah, yeah
10: yeah for 25 years mike's has been making lemonade the hard way <laughs> mike's hard lemonade hard days deserve a hard lemonade mike's is hard so is prison don't drive drunk premium all beverage with flavors all registered trademarks used under license by mike's hard lemonade company chicago illinois
6: discover why critics are calling kingdom of the planet of the apes the best film of the franchise what a wonderful day it's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible i need to go hang on It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.
1: Yeah. Of course. You know, I, I mean, so not only did they do that, so Donald Trump Jr. was the landlord for this property. And one of the things that why I wanted to bring this up, because in the complaint, they talked about how they inflated the value of this building as well. So, again, from the complaint here, the valuation of the building was based on estimates of both the valuation of the commercial space and unsold residential condominium units in the building. All right, so you got a building. It's got a commercial space that's got some value. Then you sell units in the building. But if you're the Trump organization, you're going to hold on to some of those units and you're going to rent them out to people. Right. So you get some income on that property. But here's the thing that happened. The unsold residential units owned by Mr. Trump or the Trump organization represented the lion's share of reported value for this property in excess (laughs) of 95 percent some years. For example, in 2011, the commercial space was valued at 15 million based on an estimate prepared by Donald Trump Jr. The unsold residential condominium units were valued at 293 million. Okay, so here's where the scam happens. The problem was, if you can't charge market rate, then the value of those units goes down. So what they did was, again, to get favorable terms with the city so they could build this building, they had a bunch of rent stabilized units in it (laughs) so that number i was quoting you 12 of the units were rent stabilized (laughs) so what he did
2: was in order to show the value of his luxury apartments is he turned half of it into the projects (laughs) and then counted every family as a billionaire
1: Donald Trump Jr. testified that the rent stabilized tenants at the building were, quote, the bane of his existence for quite some time. Yeah. In July 2020, the Trump organization received an appraisal with a value of eighty four point five million. But on the 2020 statement, the Trump organization valued the Trump Park Avenue at one hundred and thirty five point eight million <laughs> Yo, what? So funny. You got to be kidding me. This is insane. How can he be allowed to do this? So, here's, there's, and like I Tish James and her team, incredible work here because this is like a roadmap. They got charts in here. So, there's a spreadsheet, a small spreadsheet here with three years. Okay. So, when they were selling units, they were putting them in an offering plan. That's what they were showing people, that was the external facing number. But then they also had like their internal numbers, the ones that were real. So two sets of books. In 2012, the price for the whole place they valued at 293 million, but the value was actually 236. They 2013 326 versus 285, and in 2014 283 versus 246 million. So the difference in value for those three years was 56 million plus 41 million plus 36. That's a hundred million dollars, no, more than a hundred million dollars of just cooking your books in three years for just doing nothing, for just yeah. slapping some keys, using your pen, and having your CFO cook the books for you. Holy
2: shit. It's shocking, but it's like, but it's also not shocking. It's just like, he'd gotten away with it for so long. Why wouldn't he have done it at this point? Yeah. So uh, like, why did he run for president? That, you know, the more I hear it's just like, he was just the dumbest guy in the world for ever running for president. I guess, he, I, I, guess I believe that theory, this idea that he never actually expected to win, though.
1: Exactly. I believe that as well. That this was yeah. uh, a brand, a brand exercise and get, getting the name out there. But who knows? Maybe I think he kind of like bought into his own reality distortion field as well. I mean, that's what he's been doing his whole life. Why not? He told Oprah he would do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. We're going to stop there for today. Next week, we're actually going to pick up with uh, Trump's triplex at Trump Tower and what he did there <laughs> from the Tish James complaint. We'll also find out what Tish James as trying to seek as far as punishment or relief for the state of new york and then we'll dive into the save america pack and the election defense fund that trump was running special thanks to the guys from top hat Kissel, travis and fernando this episode was produced by carrie budge edited by notalab big thanks to emily fusco our researcher on this stuff Our legal intern is Demetrios Patelis, and this has been a production of Zero Cool and Last Podcast Network.
10: Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois.
3: Buying a master mechanics tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for. So check out Mega Mod Master Sets, the master mechanics tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools organized storage solutions, an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. All
0: for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait. Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com.